Amen. Amen. God is good all the time. What can I do? What can I do? Uh, I want you to read in, I want you to look in Joshua chapter 14. We're going to be covering verses 6 through 13. Okay, we'll see if we can make this a little bit better. Um, can you hear me better now? <clears throat> Amen. Uh, so we will be looking at the verses Joshua chapter 14, 6 through 13. I'm going to read before I get to that one. I'm going to read Proverbs chapter 20, verse 29. The glory of young men is their strength, and the splendor of old men is their gray head. Proverbs 20, verse 29. Let's pray, and then I'll, I'll read uh, Joshua chapter 14. Father God, thank you for uh, the gathering this morning. Jesus, we would ask that somehow that this whole community could hear the Word of God. That this county could hear all of what the Holy Spirit is wanting them to hear. And so, Lord, we're going to ask in the name of Jesus that you would spread your word abroad. Lord, not just what is preached here, but all that is within the word of God. Lord, that is, you said the God of this world has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel should shine. Lord, we know that he's been doing his work, but Lord, your word says that you came to destroy the works of the devil. And so I believe, Lord, right now, that this is exactly what you're doing. I believe this is what you're trying to reveal to our hearts as we put our trust in you. You shatter darkness. You shatter all the works of darkness. Lord, the lies that can find their way into our lives because we're only human. But you can destroy every one of them as we put our faith in you, Jesus. So Lord, today I pray that you will inspire faith in all of us. That you will move us closer to you. Not because of what we've done, but because we believe the very words that you've said and they're sealed and we anticipate the fulfillment of everything that our God has declared. Lord, I pray anoint every heart to hear and anoint every one of us, not only to hear it, but to live it in Jesus' name. We give you praise. We give you praise. Amen. Let's read here in Joshua chapter 14, 6-13. And the children of Judah came to Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephna, the Kenizzite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was forty years old when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren, uh, sorry, nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly followed the Lord my God. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord has kept me alive. And he said, These forty-five years, ever since the Lord spoke his word to Moses, while Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now here I am this day, 85 years old, 
as yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war, both to go out and to come in. Now therefore give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day. For you heard that in that day how the Anakim were there and that the cities were great and fortified. It may be that the Lord will be with me and I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave him Hebron, gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephna, as an inheritance. I think just in the reading of those scriptures alone, there's so much to just glean and think about and to ponder. And I would just say this, take time, just today, beyond just this service and our time together, think Think uh, and meditate on these verses and how they may apply to us. And as I was thinking about, Lord, what would you have me to share? Or what would I be preaching this Sunday? And I thought the great percentage of our congregation is about 50 and up. And there is no better words to be given to us, even whether you're young or you're older. This is the word of God to us. And so I think we just want to take some things to notice. But I also want to take a moment of something that you don't notice. You don't notice in an 85-year-old man by the name of Caleb, you don't notice he is not discouraged. You don't see this discouragement as if he's held back by age or by health. And it doesn't mean we don't have things to go through. It's just he's not discouraged. And I think there's something that we need to see in that. I think there's something that every one of us need to buy into as This isn't about where I'm at. This is about what God wants to do. And I just want to encourage, because we're not just looking at a new year. We're looking at what is God's season for me right now? What is God doing in my life? And I don't want, I anticipate that God's going to take us at every age and in every place in life, and He's going to re-encourage and refuel the fire and the flame of the vision that He's put in your heart a long time ago. Because I think a lot of us, God put something down 40 years ago, 45 years ago. I don't know how long it was. But I would say that the Lord spoke something that He is yet to fulfill. And you need to be above discouragement. And the reason why we can be is not because we're, we're just a positive people. But because we've got the Word of God and what God has said to help move us forward in the will of God. See, this isn't about our will. It's about His will. I want to look back at verse 6. So if you'll go back there to verse 6, and I want to read a few verses, and I just want to pinpoint a few of the truths that I think come out of this. It says, Then the children of Judah came to Joshua in Gilgal. And Caleb the son of Jephna the Kenizzite said to him, I want you to notice this, You know the word which the Lord said. You know the word which the Lord said to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. So here we have him not just saying, you know what the Lord has said right now. I remember what the Lord said 45 years ago. I haven't lost it. I've held on to it. I've been faithful to what God said a long time ago to me. See, I think sometimes we stumble because God said something a long time ago that we're supposed to still be holding on to now. And the Word of God is just that fresh. I think it is. I think if God has given you personally through His Word something to move and encourage you, you can look back on things. And you know, while I do that, 
it's, it's time for me to take a look back into the past. Sometimes we're trying to figure out what God's doing in the present. And part of what he wants to do in the present has something to do with what he said in the past. So he stayed true and held on to the word of God that was given to him 45 in, for 45 years. You know, another one that we read of in Scripture that was very similar was Abraham. And I don't know, I, I don't recall in the moment from the time that God said that he was going to have a son. But what we do know is that in his old age, it says he was about 100 years old, God began to fulfill that promise. And it says that even when Sarah was beyond the age to be able to bear children, and now she was going to be pregnant. Now imagine that, an old man and an old woman that have no natural capacity for God to fulfill the very word that he gave a long time ago. This is the sense in which all natural means have disappeared to see the fulfillment of what God... I think that God's best promises given to us are ones that He delivered a long time ago and He's yet to fulfill sometime in our future. And maybe it's right now. I think the reason is, is because so much of what God is doing, He's trying to show us that providentially He's managing our life behind the scenes. And all we have to do is yield to it. All I have to do is yield to what God is already managing. I don't manage it. I don't have an authority over it. I just yield to what God is managing. I was struck by something that was, that was said to me a while back, how God is in control. And I was, I was driven on this thought of God's sovereignty. And I was thinking of it, that God's sovereignty is like a current. And this is the way I, I think I would put it. it was, it's like a current in the stream. The current naturally just it, it takes you down that stream. And all we need to do is yield to the current that's already in the stream. That's all that God wants us to do. But the problem is, is that sometimes in our life, we get hang-ups. Now, this is the, God's stream doesn't have hang-ups in it. We throw hang-ups in there, and then we get locked up on, on that hang-up. So you spend a period, a gap in your life, maybe a short gap, maybe a long gap, of doubting God or struggling in your faith with the Lord. And as long as you're hung up on that rock, you're missing where God is trying to take you. But when we read the story of Caleb, it's like as if he never missed it. He's not talking about a gap, except for a gap of God said something and he's going to fulfill it, but not a gap that I created. Not something that I chose to step aside and miss something where God wants me to be. And I think what we need to realize is there's people with gaps, but there's also testimonies of men and women who don't seem to have gaps. At least it's not recorded. And God seemed to be pretty faithful to record in His Word where there were gaps. Uh, somebody had issues in their life. And we like to go to David. But what about Samuel? What about a man? It just seems like there was no place. That said, no, no, his words never fell to the ground. So the reason why I think that's important is because it enlarges our hearts to be faithful to God because that's His plan. That's what he wants to do. We see here that there's the fact that you are kept. I, I think based on what we read, you know the word that the Lord has said, those very words, the fact that you are kept by the will of God is not due to his sovereignty despite your failure. It's really important to think about that. It's not due to his sovereignty despite my failure. See, we, 
somehow we get in our life that we're only human, and every time we trip up, it doesn't cost us anything. Because God's going to get us where He wants us to be. And I think a lot of that is very, very true. But I think that the problem with that theology is it gives us reason to keep tripping. It gives us reason to keep falling when Jesus is the one who can keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of His glory. And so we can have, as it were, a faithful testimony through the ages of life because God is able to keep us in every scenario. So what we could say is this, wherein anybody has fallen short, anybody has missed the mark, it wasn't because they couldn't have uh, stayed the course and made the way with God. We will hold to those places of regret in our life because we realize I've only have a short space of time. I would like to utilize this time to live completely faithful. I got any amens on that? Amen. I want you to look here in Joshua chapter 14, verse 8. So we see this first part. Joshua is true to the Word of God. That's our part, is to be true to the Word of God. And I don't mean by that that you're just faithful. And I do mean, in part, we're faithful to read it. <laughs> right? At the very least, there, we need to read it. But the, the issue is not just in reading it, because there are people who are devoted to reading the Bible but as the Word of God says, the Gospel that was preached to them, it didn't profit them because it wasn't mixed with faith in those who heard it. So we examine our lives of where am I not believing in the Lord? And so we not only have to read it, but we have to believe it. We have to believe the words of God. Let's go to this next thought, and that is in verse 8. If you're there, say Amen. Nevertheless, my brethren. Oh, sorry, I got to read that the right way. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt. If you remember the story, they had 12 spies. Joshua and Caleb were two of the 12. Ten of them, the other 10, they saw the giants. They saw that they were outnumbered. They felt like this was overwhelming. And they just shared exactly what they saw. The problem was, is that it wasn't measured by a faith in God. And so Josh, uh, Caleb is saying, but I, out of all of those, I wholly followed the Lord my God. I completely followed the Lord. Despite those that were falling away with me, those who went in, they're falling away. And how many of us have been there and there's, Christians that you have had in your life, they were maybe even more on fire for the Lord and loved the Lord more than what you felt like you did. And now today, after so many years, they're not following Jesus anymore. To me, it's a sort of miracle that here I am and they're not. But I think that the reality is it doesn't, what shouldn't shake your faith is who is being shaken. It should encourage our faith that I'm going in the right direction no matter where other people are going. If people are following, falling away, I will continue to follow on. And so this is a measure. I think this is to the church. I think it's a message for those who are the children of God that we are the called to be faithful. And that's exactly what Caleb was saying here in verse 8. He says, I wholly follow the Lord. 
not just then, but I've continued to do so for the next the last 45 years of my life since God gave his direct command to my life. So I, I want to say this. I think the, the prize of Caleb's latter years was not his achievements, but the accumulation of his faithfulness. Some of us can look at what's been achieved, what we've gotten, what's happened, and it's in, in so many ways, uh, outside of the kingdom of God and what we've done for the sake of other souls, we're not taking it with us. You know, one guy used to say to me all the time, it's like, you can't put a U-Haul on your casket. It's just not going with you. So we've spent so much of our life trying to cultivate things that in the long run have no eternal value to them. And so when we wholly follow the Lord, I think it's ultimately on the basis of things that have eternal value. And so it's not the achievements. It's not what I have accomplished in life, but it's this accumulation of faithfulness. I think of the words of the Apostle Paul in 2 Timothy verse 4, sorry, chapter 4, verse 7. And he says this, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. It's not what we started with. It's how we end. It's how we end in this fight for the Lord. And I love that this, this apostle, as he's looking toward the end, he's giving us the final measure of how this should look. And I, I was thinking about this. Wouldn't it be... I, I love the words of Caleb when he says, there is not any of my strength diminished for war. I want to get into that a little bit here in a minute because I think there's something that we need to realize as, as we age... As we get older, as life changes, uh, circumstances around us evolve, uh, we find ourselves in different periods and seasons in life. So one thing we can realize from this is nothing else will matter if faithfulness to God has not been your true legacy above everything else. Nothing else will matter. That's the bigger question is this, am I faithful to the Lord? Are you faithful to the Lord? Because that's the only thing in the end that's going to matter. Let's look at verse 9. So we see, one, he's faithful to the Word of God. He's faithful to follow the Lord. And then we see this other piece. So in verse 9, he says, So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land where your foot has trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever because you have wholly followed the Lord my God. There's something so remarkable about those words. You know, I think a lot of what we've done is so, so now for something that's going to be in our future. And so as we age... As we get older, some of that's more clear to us now than it has been in the past. And so you have to think about, what is that inheritance? It says right there, it shall be your inheritance. What is the inheritance of faithfulness over a lifetime? What has God really been trying to accomplish in his people over the span of their life? I, uh, I wrote this part, and to me, this is the heart of this sermon. I can't. I, this is the one 
that I keep thinking about over and over again. I want to share that with you. Caleb knew that the promises of God never died. And that the grave could not make a claim where the promise of God was not yet fulfilled. The promise that was personally. So in other words, God had something to fulfill in Caleb's life and God was the preserver for his own will in Caleb's life. See, that's all we need to know for ourselves is, God, whatever your will is for me, and sometimes it's the discovery of that will that makes all the difference for us. Have you called me as a father, as a mother to my children to raise my children? Now that my children are raised and now it's just me and my husband or just me by myself for some by themselves, I don't want you to think that the will of God has lapsed in your life. And so here we are seeing this example of somebody who's to speak to you at that later stage in life, and at all stages in life, but especially to our later stages in life, because what I've seen over my time, and, and I, I fear, in a sense, is what is it going to look like as I get older? I, I lived next door to Jack and Dot Pace when I lived in, in on uh, Depot Street. And I remember Jack saying to me, as he's getting close to the kind of the end of his life, and he was very feeble, but I remember him saying these words. I think I've said it before. Getting old is not for wimps. <laughs> I, and I don't think that came from him. I think somebody else, and finally the word made its way over to Jack. But I looked at him thinking, man, you're not kidding. You are not kidding. You guys go through surgeries and complications, heart issues. You can name it, and we've gone through it in older ages, and we don't feel healthy. And in some senses, I think we get to the place where we, we don't feel like we... we uh, we relate to the words of Caleb because it seems like he's old age and never going to fail. But I think there's one way that we're supposed to be relating no matter how we're feeling, and that is that God has an inheritance. And so you have to remember that there is no claim. The grave has no right to claim your life before God has fulfilled His will in your life. And you should be so hungry so determined, so fired up to finish this course with joy, to just let the Lord have His final uh, finish and finish well, that you should be looking forward to what God has right today. Lord, I don't know that I've got another year. I don't know that I have another week. I don't know that I have another month. But it doesn't matter because I know this. If you've given me a month, you've given me a month to live satisfied only to love you and to let your will be established in that last month of my life. And that's such an encouragement for anybody who's a child of God. Because when you have come to the place, you're like, man, I feel like my physical abilities are feeble, but my spiritual life is still full of vigor and fire. I'm still full of an inward zeal for the Lord. That's what I see in this man, Caleb. Because something tells me, whether he was feeling good or he wasn't feeling good, he'd still have this highlight in his life. And it reminds me of Abraham when he said, He considered not his own body now dead, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So what you have to do is push your limitations back to the faithfulness of God and say, Lord, 
no, if, if I'm limited, it's only because you've allowed me to be so in the moment. Otherwise, Lord, swallow them up and let me finish what you've called me to do. One of the greatest books I've ever read, I love this, it's called Brushko. I would recommend it to everybody. You write it down, Brushko. There's actually two books. And um, it's about a missionary, Bruce Olson. And he went into South America and into the bush of South America to find the Modalone Indians. And he had attracted a disease while he was out there in the bush. And at 19 years old, he went out. And I, don't, I think he was roughly about that age when this happened. He ended up in a, um, in a camp, I guess I would call it, in an Indian village where the chief was intending to kill him, but they had a superstition that if you were already dying, that a curse would come upon you if you killed somebody who was dying. And they saw that he was so weak and sick that they left him alone, and they actually put him outside, at least in part of this. He was outside, and there was a helicopter flying overhead that saw him, and they, one of the guys in it recognized him, and flew down, and they took him to the hospital. The doctor said, if it had been six more hours, you would have died. The doctor also told him that if you go back out there, it, you're going to get it again, and you're certainly going to die. And the man of faith that he was, he knew God had called him. That's the difference. He wasn't doing his own thing. He knew God had called him to the Modalone Indians. He went back out in the bush, and he said he started feeling it starting to come back on him when he was out there walking. And he said, Lord, you've called me here. You have to heal me. And he was healed right then. See, there's something powerful about the will of God in your life at no matter what age you are, no matter where you are in life. There's something remarkable and powerful about how God intends to keep you and preserve you for his will. Now, when you get outside of his will, I don't have a whole lot to tell you. I'm not going to say there's a lot to look forward to, but when you're in the middle of what God wants you to be, it's not necessarily the safest, but it is the best place to be. Amen? Man, I need a few more amens out there. Can somebody give me an amen? Do you believe it? Faith is not coming to believe that the promise is real. It is in the absolute expectation that it must be fulfilled. The absolute expectation. This must be fulfilled. I can't, I can't allow myself. There is no other. There, alternatives don't exist to that for the child of God, for the believer. When we talk about being a believer, that's what we're talking about. So what do you notice? This is one of the, those are some of the things we, we like. It's not there. He's not a guy that's discouraged. So what do we notice about him? He is bold to lay claim to the strength that he needs to finish the will of God and nothing more. He has no other objective for his life. I don't see it. Not written here. He has only one objective, and that is to finish the will of God, and I need the strength to do so. And I sense Jesus doing the same thing as he's on his way to the cross, and he said, Father, if you would take this cup from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Now, I've heard a few different thoughts on it, and one thought was this. Jesus never shrinked back, never once, from the thought of going to the cross. But what he sensed was his physical body, could it could be in peril 
and he might not make it to the cross. And he says, take this cup of suffering for me so that I can get there. That's a thought I've never struck before. But I thought about that and I thought, that sounds something like Jesus would do. Make sure, Father, either take this cup of suffering that I'm going through right now so that I can make it to the cross. Nevertheless, whatever your will is. And he managed to walk through that suffering. He made it all the way to the cross. He finished the work so you and I could receive from the sacrifice of his blood the forgiveness of our sins. Nowhere else. Nowhere else can I be forgiven. No other way, but my sins are going to be stacked up against me on the day that I stand before the Lord, except through the blood of Jesus. So I see Jesus doing something very similar. Is My strength must be, my physical ability must be to accomplish and come to that final end of which you have intended for my life. I think we're on good grounds if we're praying like that. Lord, whatever. I don't want to be deluded about where you want me to be, but once you've sealed that in my heart, I have every reason to be praying for you to make sure that that happens. So we see in Joshua verse chapter 14, look in verse 11. So I, I want to say, I'm not just saying that he's saying this. I see it here in the Word of God. As yet, verse 11, As yet I am as strong this day as on the day that Moses sent me. Just as my strength was then, so now is my strength for war. Interesting. Not the strength to exist, the strength to keep on fighting. And both for going out and for coming in. See, the boast, the boast of his old age. I love this. The boast of his old age is not what he has lived through, but what he is living for. What he is living for. Are you still living to see the church revived? Are you living to see this community come alive for God? Are you taking what breath and ability and physical capability to pray in that direction with a sense of certainty that the will of God has to be fulfilled? There are too many souls wandering lost in the community. And what I mean by lost isn't that they don't have a direction in life, that they just don't know the will of God for their life, why they were created for His purpose. And is that not grieving your heart? And you feel that the pressure of that constantly bombarding your spirit? And I might not be able to get out of bed as easy as I used to. I may not be able to do what I did in my 20s, my 30s, 40s. Some of you like in my 60s. You know what I mean? But you can say, I still feel the Holy Spirit working on my heart, ministering to me to be seeking for the salvation of the masses in this community and the churches of our community. And I'm full of the sense that God wants to establish that. You know, I think that is a beautiful thing. It's an awesome thing when you have that in your heart and hold on to it. Dear children of God, people of God, hold on to it and keep praying in that direction. God prospers His work based on that kind of faith and the heart of the vision for which Jesus has come and died for. So the boast of his old age was not what he'd lived through, but what he was living for. Getting old with grace is sealed and staying fresh with what God is borrowing you for. I just use those words. What God wants you, what he's placed you here for. Getting old with grace is sealed and staying fresh with what God has borrowed you for. Don't let age steal the ability to discern and do what God wants. Don't let the, the, your health steal what God wants to do. Let's look in, in verse 12. Getting close to the end here. 
When you get there, say amen. You're like, I'm already there. It's on the screen, Pastor. I want you to turn in your Bibles anyway, okay? So now, when you get there, tell me amen. Good. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke in that day, for you heard in that day how that the Anakim were there, and that the cities were great and fortified. And it may be that the Lord will be with me, and I shall be able to drive them out, as the Lord said. So he's not just getting the land. He still has some work to do to to finish it off. I love this. The only boldness that Caleb was totally free to exercise was what the Lord had spoken to his heart. Nothing else. The only boldness that we are free to exercise is what God has actually spoken to our heart. It is not just merely what the Bible says only, but what the Holy Spirit animates in the Bible to us that grants us the right to be bold. You know, Peter was bold, and he spoke with boldness on the day of Pentecost. Because what God had placed inside of him was his to be bold about. And I just want to encourage you guys, I want to encourage this church, I want to encourage the people of God, be bold about what God has said to you through his word. Be bold to continue to claim and stand on those promises. See, an A promise that hasn't been fulfilled is not a promise denied. It's not a promise denied. It's a call to get closer to God. He's not denying you. So when we know that God has something for us, we continue to press in until it is finished. I think part of this is the patience to yield to God while we're trusting for the Lord to do what He wants to do. At the same time, I don't believe that we're called to push God Nobody can push God into place of prayer. But I find throughout the Bible some very amazing men of prayer and some prayers that just astound me. And one of them was Moses. When God told Moses that he was going to judge the people and he was going to bring judgment upon them, Moses in his intercession and prayer to God actually said to God, you can read it in Exodus, he told God to repent. That's a pretty bold prayer. He said, you must repent because, this is in a paraphrased way, because that's not your heart. And all God needed was somebody to stand in the gap. See, this is the thing is, I think judgment comes, or God does things early to rid us of the darkness that sin brings upon our nation and our community because there's fewer saints praying that ought to be praying. But when we get to the place where we pray for God to extend His mercy and pour out His grace on us and His Spirit in our lives, then God begins to rearrange things because of the prayer of the people who are in line with His heart. And we have to get in line with the heart of God. We need to be in line with the heart of the Lord. And here's the thing, is we've got a lot of seats that are not filled today. And you can't look at it as like it's the pastor's obligation. Yes, I have an obligation to it. But you have an obligation for souls that God has called you to be a ministry to. And your life has to be a ministry by your example. All of our life has to be an example. So we've got to be a living, breathing witness of what God not only has done for us, but what God wants to do for others. I think when we hear him say, I'm as strong this day, I think we're reading in this, yes, that was a physical, like conquering that he needed to do.
But we have a spiritual conquering that we need to do. And I'm reminded of the words that God gave to Joshua when he said, every piece of ground that your foot shall tread upon, I will give it to you as an inheritance. Now, I don't know about you, but I take that to me with prayer. Lord, if I'm going to tread on the ground of prayer and I'm going to get into somebody's life as I'm praying for them, I'm praying that I'm, I'm not looking to pray James's will. That's a, that's a lot of work for the Holy Spirit to do just to get you out of your own will to pray his will. But I am saying this. If I can capture, Lord, if you can help me, and I think the only thing you really want to do in this moment is to help me capture your will so that I can pray exactly what you want in their life, then I have something to hold on to. I have something to continue to pray until it happens because that's how strong and faithful God is. So what we see is somebody this wayward, but the Lord knows how by providence to drive them back to his side. And so in many ways, I think a lot of it is, is simply this. The word of God is kind of like to us, if you measure the temperature in this room, you're going to see a thermostat that's going to tell you whether you're at 50, it's 60, 70. We know it's not 80 in here. Maybe close, right? But the thought behind it is this. There is a thermostat, I think, a spiritual thermostat that none of us see, but that measures our prayer life and our intensity with God. And some of us are not in that place of intensity with the Lord because we've gotten distracted or we've become discouraged. We've become discouraged. I don't feel like I have value. I don't feel like I have worth. And I want to speak this to you because I feel like the Lord out of this gave me a word, a word for our church. And, and this is one I feel like. Do not be defined by your natural limitations. And what I want to say with that is this. Don't let the fear and the dread and the discouragement of what I can't do get in the way of what you could do. And, and re-examine your life at this moment and ask yourself the question. Ask yourself the question of what have I quit doing or what have I let go of or what am I not trusting the Lord for because I have become discouraged. Because I feel like things haven't worked out for me. Just figure that out for where you're at in the moment. And I want you to hear me on that. Because I think what God wants to do here is on the basis that you are now stirred up one more time to trust the Lord in an area that you've been discouraged in. I really very strongly feel like the Holy Spirit. And I want to say this. I think some of us don't feel encouraged because we get by. Because we've learned to get by. But I want you to look again at how powerful the promises of God are and how close you are in proximity to his heart and to those promises. And if you feel like, I don't feel close to the Lord like I used to be. Or I feel like I need to be closer. I want you to look at this and realize that there's been natural limitations that have gotten in the way. I want to say this. I feel like the Lord is saying this to us. Press in and know the will of God for you and for this congregation. I would say go beyond this congregation, but think for the people here. Imagine that God is wanting to use you in a place to move for the people here. Think about the people that we're not connected with. I've heard some of you share with me at different times, oh, I didn't know so-and-so. I, I know of them, 
They sit on the opposite side. If you're sitting on the opposite side of the room, there's a good chance you may not know one another in that way. Learn to get to know one another. Because as you take time to talk to each other, and you get to know, I don't know so-and-so here. I haven't gotten to know them. They're a stranger to me. I don't feel comfortable around them. So what? Right? What we're going to do is we're going to take time to just hear from you. And you're going to tell me something about your life, and that's going to change a dynamic there because now I know at least an area that I didn't know how to pray for you in. And I also know how to encourage you and be there for you. See, the body of Christ can be so disconnected, and yet we can still have services together. Make those phone calls, but press in and know the will of God. And you will not know the will of God for this congregation if you don't know the people in this congregation. If we don't know one another, we're not going to know God's will for our lives. Oh, you're struggling with this. You don't need to go tell everybody what somebody. You just need to spend time with them and help them through it and walk them through it. The word of God is inspired here in Joshua 14 to keep you ablaze to your dying breath and encourage you to your final days. I think God is trying to encourage us right where we're at. Right where we're at. And I am called, I know this, I am called to renew the vision of this congregation and to rebuild the original call God has given to you. Now, I'm not doing that in my power. I'm trusting that God is going to use things that I say, times that I've prayed, in inspiration behind this pulpit to help build the call of God, the original call of God in your life. I don't know what your losses have been. I don't know what your struggles are. But I believe God is calling you on those grounds right now. Right now. Not on another day, not another week, but right now. Just start moving in that direction. Do not lose faith. Do not lose hope. Do not lose what God has called for you. Don't let another day lapse in listening to the doubts of your own mind or the the emotions that you've gone through or the feeling that somebody else has brought you pain. Just let go and let God have his way. And to break down anything, I believe God has called me to break down anything the devil has done to prevent us. And I can say this, I think what we're not keenly aware of, and I'm going to close with this, but I don't think we're keenly aware of what the little things, the subtle things that the devil is doing to break up the fellowship and the relationship of the body of Christ. I think we get discouraged, we get frustrated and angry with one another uh, over things that we need to yield to God in. And when we do, listen to me, when we do, God's going to bring some blessing our way. The Lord is going to bring healing in our direction. And I have good relationships with so many of you. I love everyone, but I also know that I've had discouraging times at different moments. And I feel like the Holy Spirit is saying, don't get locked up in any one of them. Just yield. The whole work of God in us is yielding to the Lord so that we can see the Lord work in our lives. Some of us feel like if I did more for the Lord, and sometimes you can do more and see less because God is starting with the requirement of yielding. Just yield. I need to surrender. And as you surrender, it's like, huh, that's interesting. God just kind of went before me and did the work almost as if I hadn't had to do anything. Because the Holy Spirit brought Jesus to the boat. And Jesus again with his disciples said, I want you to go out in the deep. And the disciples say, Lord, 
are you that disciple today? Lord, we were already out there all night and we didn't catch anything. I mean, in my, I've used every strength and all that I know as a fisherman to do, and it didn't work. But they said this, upon your word, I will go out and do it. And they did it and they received what Jesus had for them. That's the, that's the what God is doing in our church. I sense that strongly, that the Lord is in our church. He's saying, I'm, he's calling us to listen to him, beckon us back out into the water. But this time, Jesus is in the boat. This time, you're not doing it in your own strength. You're not doing it with discouragement. You're not yielding to the fears of how much more time do I have or do I have enough money in the bank or any of those things. But the Lord is with me and he is strengthening me and he is doing that with my brothers and sisters. And if you're strong, be there for each other. Be there for each other. And I want to say thank you one more time to the body of Christ for being there for one another being there in phone calls, being there in prayers, being there to encourage one another. This week, I had two brothers. I had two brothers that gave me. One was just a word of the Lord. The other one said, the Lord put you on my heart, and I prayed for you. And I, I, I thought about that. You know, it's, it's not as often as it probably should be that the pastor should be getting that. But what about you? How many people... You say, my life is void of people sharing the word of God with me, praying for me spontaneously. And if you are, do just what they did and send the message to that person. They need to know you're doing it. But thank you for being faithful to the Lord and, and what God's doing. As you wholly follow the Lord, I'm looking forward to what God's doing already in our fellowship and our life as we're trusting him and we're looking more for what God is going to do in our future forgetting the things that are behind and reaching forward to the things before us. Let's pray. Father, I want to thank you today because we have a tremendous opportunity to truly fellowship with one another. Lord, we want, to, uh, we want the Holy Spirit right now. We want to give you the place in our life to search us. It's a beautiful thing when you're searching our lives, God, and you can put light into places in our life, and we need it so much. Oh, Jesus. We need you so much to search us. But God, we know that your healing hand comes behind your searching light. And so, Father, I just want to believe right now that you're going to do a searching thing and you're going to be a healing thing too. Lord, we need it. Father, we need it. I need it. We want you to do this. And God, I just want to encourage those in age and health. I want the Holy Spirit. I want, Lord, for what you've been putting on my heart for them. I want them to know that for themselves. Lord, I want to thank you, Jesus, that there is, not, there is not beyond, in this life, there is no finality to it. We're always discovering more. So, Jesus, right now, elevate every soul. Lift every heart to you, Jesus. Lift us heavenward to look more solely at the promises of God and give of ourselves to them, Lord. Every one thing that you have said to us, Lord, means uh, our life. It's our anchor. It's our breath. Lord, it's our very existence. Thank you, Jesus, for your church. Thank you, Lord, for the people of God who are living in light of the word of God for them. And Jesus, we just thank you, Lord, what you're going to do in our future, but we thank you for what you've done right now, and we want to praise you for the past. Thank you, Jesus, for the undying realities to your word and your faithfulness to us. And we want to give you all the glory in Jesus' name.
Amen.